Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening! Now, on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 2, Dead Man's Party. Ooh, the anxiety. <laughs> the anxiety I felt while watching this episode was next level. It's almost worse when you know what's going to happen because you can't change it. And this is one of those episodes where there is a fair amount of action. Not all of it is very good action. But at the end of the day, this is an episode about the emotions and how they're running so high. And I guess we've always been wondering, always, like if I, if you took a big summer break between season two and season three, when it first aired, and then we watched Anne, I mean, the, the real question is, yeah, how is everybody going to react when Buffy gets home? What are the consequences of Buffy leaving for the summer? And, and I like that the show takes this whole episode to work on that. It's not like, oh, she's back. And here's the problem of the week, and everything is fine, everybody's cool with it. That's not realistic. So I appreciate that the show is like, no, nobody is okay right now. <laughs> yeah, everyone has something to say in this episode for the most part, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I've said it so many times in the past, whenever these Scoobies, whenever these guys fight... I just, it gets me really upset. I don't like watching it. Uh, and in this case, I had a lot of feelings about what everyone had to say. And I did cut some slack to them because they're teenagers, right? So I think in a right. lot of ways, yeah. and we'll bring this up as we discuss it, but I kept having to remind myself, they're 17, Steph. Like they're 17, cut them some slack. They're just learning how to communicate with each other now. So, I mean, to be honest, I didn't learn how to properly communicate until I was in my late 20s, right? So I cut them some slack I'm for that. I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah, you're still learning, right? So so that's, that's that. Let's get started. We are in Buffy's room. She's unpacking. Uh, remember at the end of last episode, we ended with her and Joyce hugging and a reunion at the front door. So Buffy is unpacking and looking around her room and we get a moment of her taking it in, in that she's home. And you can tell, like just from her face, it's very much like it's all the same, but it's all changed, right? <laughs> like Buffy's changed. So she grabs a jacket and goes to Joyce's room and Joyce is hammering a mask onto the wall in her room. And she tells Buffy that she's excited because a shipment in the gallery came in and she thought she'd hang a few pieces <laughs> at home yeah. to cheer up the room. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> and you and I, because, you know, we used to work at an art gallery. I was like, Joyce, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> In what world are you allowed to do this? <laughs> right. So I have I have many questions. Clearly, Joyce is working at a private art gallery, unlike the public one we worked at. So presumably they are selling pieces. 
So my question is, is this mask just inexpensive enough that she can purchase it on her gallery curator salary? Is she stealing artifacts from the gallery? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Is this just a perk of her job that you could just borrow these artifacts? And where are you getting these artifacts from? Um, this Nigeria. seems a little bit questionable. <laughs> right. So that's the other thing, right? She says it's a Nigerian mask. Nigerian. Like, Nigerian. Yeah. Yeah. Just very so vague. For, <laughs> yeah. For people who aren't aware, Nigeria comprises multiple tribes of people. Yes. There are several different ethnicities within Nigeria. Oh, so I think here's my here's my pitch for our listeners. We'll see if this catches on. We had Stoner Joyce as a meme in season two. I think for season three, we can have a new Joyce meme called Hobby Lobby Joyce. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. I want to see memes. I want to see captions um, all about, you know, Joyce as this irresponsible gallery curator appropriating pieces <laughs> of art from different cultures, stealing artifacts like... Let's make this happen. There's so many things to unpack just in this scene with Joyce in this mask. Because yes, like she she hangs it up. She says it's a Nigerian mask. It's primitive. Like, oh, oh, the racism. And uh, we talked a lot about this in the, the hyena episode, the pack in season mm -hmm. one, because again, they were dealing with, quote, primitive, quote, cultures, right? And here we have her calling this artwork primitive. And it's like, okay. Okay, let's take take a step back. Just because it's a foreign culture to you does not make it primitive. <laughs> exactly. So there's that. But I'll also just the very idea that she's like, I'm going to hang up this mask in my bedroom. And it's terrifying looking. It obviously is an evil mask. <laughs> well, she, she, well, that's the thing is she clearly has no understanding of what the mask means, right? Because Art in most cultures, including Western cultures, has meaning of some kind. So when you have a mask, it's not just a mask. It's not just something you hang on the wall. It usually has a purpose in some specific ceremony, ritual. And, and you know, is it a fertility mask? Are you <laughs> blessing yourself with bountiful children? Yes. Or in this case, is it a mask that raises the dead? Like, I mean... You got to do your research, Joyce. Come on, Joyce. Isn't that your job? Isn't it your job to understand the meaning behind the art? Um, and also, like, I mean, later in the episode, Giles says Americans, as in, like, in um, frustration. But this is so true because it's the same thing when people put up dream catchers. Or even get Chinese... Chinese characters tattooed on their body. Yeah, it's like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Hobby Lobby Joyce is now a thing. Uh, let's make it happen, everybody. <laughs> so Buffy realizes what we're realizing, not in so much as that it's racist and stupid, but Buffy notices that the mask is angry. And she says the mask wants the room to suffer, <laughs> which is so true. And that's when Joy says Buffy has no appreciation for primitive art <laughs> and then notices that Buffy has her jacket, asks her if she's going out. Buffy says that she wants to find Willow and Xander. And Joyce is like, will you be slaying? <laughs> and Buffy's just like, only if they give me lip. I like the, you know, we're starting to see, right, Joyce is trying. She's trying to wrap her head around this is part of Buffy's life. She's just going to go out and slay at nighttime. <laughs> and it's cute. It is cute. Yeah, she, I mean... 
I'll give Joyce a lot of space in this episode because I think she's doing her best. Again, I'm always like, Joyce is just trying to do her best. So um, she does offer to make Buffy a sandwich before she goes. Buffy alludes to the fact that Joyce already overfed her at dinner. I mean, Buffy could just take dinner in a bag. Why Why a sandwich? <laughs> Kate, mom, a uh, sandwich in a bag, please, as, as one does. And um, Joyce offers to drive her. She's like, they could be anywhere, which is so true. And this is the first time we've ever heard Joyce offer to drive Buffy <laughs> somewhere. And Buffy says, um, look, mom, like, if you don't want me to go, just say so. And Joyce just says, nope, I just want to get back to normal. So go and have a good time. So Buffy is awkward, but she leaves. Then Buffy just decides to wander the alleyways of Sunnydale looking for her friends. And she hears a ruckus and follows it. And a shifty man is walking around a corner in an alley. And Buffy, again, is the least stealthy person you'll ever meet (laughs) and steps on a pop can. And that's when the guy turns around and it's Xander. (gasps) It's Xander in a trench coat. And uh, he tries to attack Buffy thinking that she's a vampire with a stake. And Buffy easily takes the weapon and they just stare at each other. And Buffy says, didn't anyone ever warn you about playing with pointy sticks? It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. And Xander's just staring at her. And first he kind of snaps and says, you shouldn't sneak up on people like that. But then they start to smile as a vampire jumps out and attacks them. So rude. So rude. They were about to have some sort of reunion. Yeah, we're about to have a moment here. And again, the vampires wait for that very specific moment (laughs) to make their move. So Buffy kicks the vampire back and we hear on Xander's walkie-talkie that he's got on his belt. He says, come in, Nighthawk. Everything okay? (laughs) So... Buffy's fighting the vampire uh, as Xander gets knocked to the ground. Cordy, Willow, and Oz run up and they start to fight the vampire as well. And Willow and Oz get knocked over next to Xander and Cordelia gets knocked into Buffy. And she hits Buffy and she says, hey, Buffy. (laughs) And Buffy just pushes her over onto the other three and then stakes the vampire. So we end this scene with all four of the Scoobies staring up at Buffy as she says, hey, guys. Then they all look stunned. So So already we can see there's there's a lot more money for season three. We're going to see that throughout this episode. They have a lot more extras, a lot more space and sets. And the dusting effect has been upgraded. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's a lot more like just more particly um, and smoother than in the first two seasons. They've redone it. <laughs> nice. Uh, good eye. So <laughs> the Scoobies are outside Giles' apartment and Buffy is really nervous. And she's like, what if he's mad? And Xander, ooh, I have so many thoughts about Xander in this episode. Um, and I laid off him in the last episode for the most part because he wasn't in it as much. But like, ooh, Xander. So Xander sa- says, mad? Just because you ran away and abandoned your post, your friends, and your mom, and made him lay awake every night worried about you, then he's like, wait, maybe we should wait here. Yeah. You're not helping. This is one of many times in my notes when I wrote, shut up, Xander. (laughs) Number one, shut up, Xander. (laughs) There it is. I think you could just assume that anytime Xander speaks in this episode, I've written down, shut up, Xander. Yeah, and then it it gets progressively worse, where it's like, shut the fuck up, Xander. And then, shut up, Xander, fuck off into the sun, is the last thing that I would have written. (laughs) So, anyway, Buffy knocks. Giles opens the door, and he is 
stunned to see here. You can see it all. Oh my God, Giles is so good in this episode. So he's like, so like, <gasps> he takes it in and they just stare at each other. And of course, Xander cannot allow silence or moments to happen. He's like a vampire. He picks the worst time to say anything. And he says, oh, look, the watcher's back on the clock. Just when you're thinking career change, maybe you're going to be a, a looker or a seer. And thank God Giles shuts him up. And he's just like, that's enough, Xander. Like, fuck off. Uh, and then he says, welcome home, Buffy. And Buffy grins. So we cut to Giles, inside Giles' apartment and Buffy and the Scoobies are all on the couch. And Buffy says she got in a few hours ago, but went to see her mom first. And Giles actually says, how did you find her? Right? Like, how's your mom? How are you guys? And Buffy says, oh, I found her because I remember the address. Ha ha ha. Like jokes, right? Because Buffy doesn't want to get into it right now. And the kettle's boiling. So Giles goes to the kitchen to get it. And that is when Oz tells Buffy that she's no longer wanted for Kendra's murder, <laughs> which is great. You can hear the Scoobies making stupid jokes and kind of bantering in the background as Giles tends to the tea and gets the refreshments together. And Giles takes a moment to pause mm. And this is such a lovely scene because you can mm -hmm. see the look of relief on his face. You can see the worry and anxiety like melting off his body. And like, she's not dead. You know what I mean? Like he, he didn't know where she was. He was all, spent all summer flying everywhere around America looking for her. And here she is. And let's just take a note here, everybody. Giles chooses to not attack Buffy. <laughs> And in this moment, he's let, this is the point where you can see Giles making the choice of like, oh, she's home. It's fine. I'm not mm -hmm. going to unleash all of my tension and anger in the summer on her. Yeah. This is it. Um, Anthony Stewart has acting in this episode. Like he isn't in a ton of the scenes, but the scenes he's in are so good. And this is this moment because it is just a moment. There's no mm -hmm. dialogue. It's just he takes off his glasses and he leans his head against the cabinet and it's just so well done. Oh, he's making a choice on how to react and I fucking love it. So much. This is acting, people. Learn <laughs> something. Acting. Acting 101 <laughs> with Cara and Steph. So Giles brings uh, the tea. He's got cookies and biscuits, which all the kids, you know, he pours himself tea, but it's like, no, they want the snacks. Yeah, we're the cheesies. Um, and everybody's kind of like, trying to get stuff out of Buffy, right? Like trying to ask questions. And Giles is like, oh, sorry, Buffy is like, well, you know, it's a long story. She's overwhelmed, which fair, I would be too. So Giles kind of gets everybody off her back. And he says, oh, you know, maybe we should let Buffy adjust before we start mm -hmm. grilling her, which I think is a good call. Yeah. Um, and then we get into what the Scoobies have been doing because Xander's like, well, we've got the slang covered. So you don't have to worry about that. You can ease back into things. And it's funny because each of the Scoobies has like their own little take on how the slaying is going. <laughs> yes. Willow has been actually very quiet up until now. Um, and she chimes in and says, we're getting good. Cordelia says the outfits suck. She wants to like, you know, move more into hill figure. So, yeah, I, I noticed that like all of them are wearing outfits that are far more appropriate for slaying than what Buffy wears. <laughs> yeah, because well, Buffy doesn't, the, the outfit doesn't matter for Buffy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but these guys need to get into the mood. Um, Xander says we're kicking undead booty. Oz says, you know, six out of ten vampires they kill. And Buffy, like, compliments them on their routine. She's like, okay, that's great. Uh, but she also wants to get back to her normal routine, and she wants to have brainless fun. So she asks uh, what they're doing tomorrow. And Xander says he's tied up with Cordy. And Willow is very reluctant, but says that she can change her plans so that her and Buffy can hang out. 
And Giles says that she needs to talk to Snyder. And Buffy says that her mom set up an appointment with him. And Joyce can break him, basically. And then we cut to Snyder, where Joyce is certainly not breaking him. Um, The next day in Snyder's office, he's saying, absolutely not. Under no circumstances can Buffy come back to school. And Joyce is like, you don't have the right to keep her from school. She was cleared of all charges. And Snyder's like, oh, I'm sure she lives up to the not a murderer requirement for enrollment. (laughs) But uh, she's a troublemaker, destructing school property, students, and her grades are bad. So again, Joyce is like, you can't be this cavalier about a young girl's entire future. And Snyder is so mean and suggests that Buffy's only talented to work in fast food and, you know, there's a hot dog on a stick is hiring and you'd look really cute in the hat. So Buffy is upset. She leaves and Joyce is like, this ain't over. <laughs> and she'll take it to the mayor. Ooh, the mayor. And she, and she walks away and Snyder just says, wouldn't that be interesting? So Joyce and Buffy are driving in the day throughout Sunnydale and it's, it is actually kind of rare. Like like you're saying, the sets are getting bigger. Like we have this whole new town square set and that's mm-hmm. during the day, which we so rarely see. So Joyce is suggesting private school as an alternative for Buffy. Then she drops her off to meet Willow. And we cut to Buffy waiting on the street for Willow and she's checking her watch. So we're under the impression that she's waited for a long time. How long do you think Buffy yeah. waited for Willow? At least an hour, if not more. Yeah, and that's fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking mean. And it's it's pre-cell phone, right? Like, this is the thing, is, is if this were nowadays, we would have texted or messaged, and maybe we wouldn't have received a reply, but at least we had a way of reaching out to somebody who's mm-hmm. running late. And now, you know, in Buffy's time, she has no idea. She has no idea where Willow is. Yeah, so she chose to just wait, and I think you're right, like, for over an hour at least. And that's so fucking shitty oh it's so mean so buffy walks slowly back to home she realizes okay i've been ditched and a woman walks out a wild woman just like walks out of buffy's house and she's like oh look at you aren't you a picture she introduces herself as pat she's joyce's friend from book club she's definitely a pat (laughs) that's a pat yeah if you've ever seen a pat she's one of those older like older middle-aged women who like she dresses the way she wants to dress which all the more power to you pat um, but just from this single conversation with Buffy, we know everything we need to know about Pat. Yes, we know exactly. that she's a busybody who gets it up in everybody's business. <laughs> she's always super cheerful. She takes a class every single night of the week. You know, mm-hmm. like she's one of those people who's just always doing shit. If you make the mistake of letting her into your life, she ain't leaving. Yeah, she's the worst is what we're saying. So. Well, to be fair to Pat, because she is going to bite it in a few scenes. To be fair to Pat. <laughs> She means well, right? They always like, do. Yeah. Yeah. And and clearly Pat has helped Joyce out. So good for you, Pat. You're not my hero of the episode, but you don't deserve your fate. <laughs> no, you don't. But you are also annoying. So we're just addressing that like, you, I wouldn't yeah, want you in my life, but thanks for looking oh, out no, for Joyce. Oh, no, you never want a Pat in your life. You can't get <laughs> Pats out. Like, it's like stains in a carpet. <laughs> I, if there's a wild Pat in your neighborhood, please stay inside and don't let it in. <laughs> So, so Pat is saying that, uh, you know, like she just called, like says all this personal stuff to Buffy, right? Like, oh my God, between your situation and reading the deep end of the ocean, (laughs) Joyce was a wreck and go be with your mom. You two need to rebond. So like, oh, like, so Buffy does not like this at all. And when she goes inside to talk to Joyce, Joyce does say that Willow called, but she said she just called. 
as in like she called like 10 minutes ago maybe and did not leave a message so Buffy is oh like oh okay and Joyce then says that she invited Willow Giles Xander Cordy and Oz over for a dinner the next night and Buffy's just like okay that'll be fun and she does say okay, go downstairs and get the company plates. And Buffy's like, whoa, these are normal <laughs> plate people. <laughs> and Joyce- I love that line. Yeah. And Joyce is like, we never have guests for dinner, so indulge me, right? And <laughs> I love that line too, because I forgot, and like, I'm only a recent homeowner, and I forgot that people switch up plates for like dinners, you oh, know? know. <laughs> but I also don't have people over, so. I know how to fix that. Don't invite people over. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're learning your lesson about that this weekend, as you told me before we started recording, right? So yeah. hopefully you get it all out of your system. Although I also know both you and your partner have like a large extended family, right? So good luck. Thank you. Thanks. And everyone send me your extra company plates because I need them. <laughs> but not don't send Pat, just just the plates. So it's <laughs> so a Buffy goes to the basement and she's Cut, she's getting the plates and she sees a picture the the picture of the three willow xander and buffy hanging out um that used to be in her bedroom looks like a department store picture like it looks like I, like the kind of picture you get when you buy the frame yeah and it's taken at a mysterious time that we never saw like a different life <laughs> a different reality and like you're right like some like obviously they hired a professional photographer to come and take it because it's actually quite candid they did a whole photo shoot one day <laughs> That's cute. Actually, I would love to do that with my friends. So good for them. Anyway, a dead cat falls on the floor. <laughs> this episode is so random in some it's, ways. I actually, like, this is the thing. Yeah, this episode gave me a lot of anxiety. It bums me out. I don't like watching it. But talking about it is a fucking joy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So so Joyce and Buffy are burying this cat in their backyard. And um, Joyce suggests that they say something. And Buffy suggests, thanks for stopping by and dying. <laughs> And Joyce says, how about goodbye stray cat who lost its way and we hope you find it. And when I watched that, I was like, Joyce, don't compare Buffy to a dead cat. <laughs> we cut to Buffy lying awake in bed while Joyce is sleeping in her bed. And of course, the quote, primitive quote, Nigerian mask <laughs> starts to glow red eyes of course it does right like of course i'm sure it, it's fine it's just some leds or a trick of the light what could go wrong but oh no we see the earth move where the cat was buried and sure enough that cat jumps out and it's alive so cut to buffy who's entering the high school at daytime and it's empty no one is around and there's a weird filter on it yeah there's like a soft focus filter so you know it's a dream like that's it's a really nice, subtle visual cue. It is, yeah. So, Angel. <gasps> Angel. It's been three seasons and I still get happy when I see him. <laughs> Angel's here happy. and he joins her. Happy, <laughs> quote, unquote. Angel joins her on the quad and Buffy says, I thought they'd be here. And Angel says, they're waiting for you. And she asks him if she's dreaming. And Angel says, I'm the wrong person to ask. You better go. Buffy says, I'm afraid. And Angel says, you should be. Okay, Ooh. so I have a question. Yeah. I have a theory. Yeah. Is this the real angel? <gasps> what do you mean? Well, because he's in hell right now, right? Mm -hmm. But he's got his soul back. So he's in hell. Buffy's dreams are sometimes like prophecy. Like Buffy has dream powers. Is she like connecting with Angel in her dreams? Like is he like in hell being tortured and occasionally having these like dreams of being with Buffy out in the sunlight? 
like he might not know it's the real Buffy, right? Like they don't know they're communicating, but it's yeah. like, I don't know. Like maybe she's actually talking with Angel right now. Oh my God. I love that. Yes. Yes. I am on board with that. Absolutely. I love that you're suggesting they have some sort of psychic connection because they're soulmates and meant to be. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So yeah. So Angel came back from hell for a very brief dream. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, when Buffy wakes up, he's gone. Joyce is in the kitchen and she says she's been on the phone with the superintendent of schools who's more reasonable than that nasty little hard bigoted man. <laughs> and she says that a girl's private school accepts late admissions and she wrote the info down for Buffy to look at. Buffy is so against this idea of going to private school and she's like, jackets, kilts, and no boys. Care to throw in a little foot binding? <sighs> How do we feel about that stuff? Oh, I did not like this conversation. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, foot binding is a, I don't know if it's ancient, but it's a past Chinese custom where uh, girls would have their feet bound for years. The intention was to break their toes and reform their feet into these little balls because they were aphrodisiacs to men. It was like part of their offering to the families that they were going to go get married into it's very strange but the point is like buffy's just like throwing it in here <laughs> casually yeah like it, it's very different from the jackets kilts no boys like it's like a literal abusive practice against women mm -hmm. that you know if the, the comparison again it's just it's that racial and cultural insensitivity of like oh look at this other culture and like these weird things that they do <sighs> so okay Joyce snaps a little bit here and she tells Buffy that you made bad choices and you just might have to live with some of the consequences. And she does soften up then and says, nothing settled yet. I wish you didn't have to be so secret about things. You have a special circumstance and people should make allowances for you. And Buffy says that she's a slayer. It's not like she has to ride a little bus to school. Oh, this scene, this scene. Oh, Why? another one. I know, I know. And I will say that this is the only time in the whole episode where I thought Buffy was being whiny. And obviously right. she's being insensitive to, in a lot of different ways. But this is the only time where I was like, okay, Buffy, like Joyce is actually trying to find you a school. Joyce is hustling. Like yeah. Buffy's been back for a day and Joyce is already like, or two days and Joyce is already like, okay, look at private schools, trying to get you back into your old school. Like, Joyce is in full mom mode and she's killing it. I know. So that's why I was like, okay, like, jo like she's going out of her way to help you as, as she should. But like Joyce is doing all of this labor and Buffy's poo-pooing it. And that really annoys me. It's kind of like, okay, I cooked you all this dinner. And then you come in and be like, I wanted potatoes, not noodles. It's like, well, fuck off then. You do it. <laughs> so yeah. So I was like, Buffy, you're, you're being really whiny here and riding the little bus to school. Like, really? What kind of joke is that? And... Joyce then says, couldn't you just tell Snyder and the police? Like, can't you just, you know, they should be happy that you're a superhero. And that's when she opens the door and the cat runs in. So yeah. we, we leave this terrible scene and, jo and Giles is at the door with a cage. And Buffy's like, welcome to the Hellmouth Petting Zoo. And I don't, did you, have you ever read Pet Cemetery? By Stephen King. I haven't. I'm, I'm aware of the premise. So, of course, you know, I also thought of that during this scene. I think the choice of a cat is interesting yeah. because I think one of the reasons the writers did it is to make it clear that this is a zombie and not 
a vampire, right? Because if we just saw a human rising out of a fresh grave, we'd be like, oh, they're a vampire. Mm. So I think the writers were like, well, we need to make it clear that this is not a vampire situation. This is a different undead situation. But then that just got me thinking, can animals become vampires? Like Benicula? (laughs) Right. Like, could Angel, like, bite a deer or a pig or something and then sire it? Oh, cool. (laughs) For the reboot, we need a vampire dog. We need it. (laughs) Well, right? Like, Drusilla was carrying around that dog named Sunshine for a while. Could she turn Sunshine into a vampire dog and then have a little buddy? Imagine Sunshine ran into the house just just now because it was raised from the dead. This show is just so terrible at answering the questions we really need answered. It's so true. It needs to do better. Absolutely. Uh, And also, I will highly recommend Pet Cemetery to anyone who likes scary books. That is the scariest book I've ever read in my entire life. I loved it. They go upstairs and Giles just grabs the cat, which is hiding under a chair and puts it in the cage. And he's like, oh, the stench, like it stinks really bad. It smells like a dead body, obviously. Giles says he'll take it back to the library to determine its exact origin. And Giles sees the mask on Joyce's wall and says, striking, is that Nigerian? (laughs) I want to give a shout out here to the writers because... This episode is very well constructed. They clearly put a lot of thought into how they were going to move all these characters around. You know, Giles had to see the mask in order to make the connection later on in the episode, which means he had to go into Joyce's bedroom. So they had to come up with a reason for Giles to be there and go into Joyce's bedroom, right? So it's like, it's it, this is one of those episodes where all the pieces just have to fit together properly, and that can't be easy. So credit to the writers here, because it really does come together. It's not a perfect episode, but there's a lot of moving parts in here. And I think they do a good job. You're right. It it is quite tidy for the way that they're putting it all together. And I also just think Giles, you should like, this is season three, Giles. Like you should have just taken that mask right away. Been like, take that down the hell. (laughs) He's like, oh, hell no. Rips it off the wall, carries it out under his arm. He's like, Ahab knows zombies here. We're done. Like, Here's your problem right there. It's this mask. Also, why, wasn't this supposed to be at the art gallery? (laughs) Like, why did you take it home and put it up? I went to the art gallery specifically to see this mask in this this art collection well he is the foremost expert on antiquities <laughs> in this region right i forgot about that oh, remember doug everyone remember doug in becoming part one who claimed that giles is an expert a world leading expert <laughs> like what did he have worked with joyce's gallery before absolutely that's i mean maybe that's actually maybe giles was low-key chastising um, <laughs> Joyce, for when he was like, oh, striking, striking artwork you have on your wall, <laughs> thief. <laughs> so uh, anyway, okay. Joyce starts to talk to him about ancient artifacts and Buffy interrupts them and basically is like, we have work to do, Giles, research mode. Like she wants to get back into their old habits, right? And Giles actually suggests that Buffy stay with her mother. And when I, when he said that, I first thought that he was doing a callback to the episode before where Joyce told Giles, I feel like you took her away from me, right? They had that little confrontation. um, And this might be the next time that they've seen each other since that confrontation. But I was like, is that a callback to Giles being emotionally aware of Joyce and where she is? I I think that Buffy being back has kind of just created a a space of truce between them, right? It's like, Mm. okay, Buffy's back. And we got to figure this out together, right? Like they're closing ranks and they're like, we're going to work together on this. I don't think they've had a conversation. I just feel like that's 
how they're both reacting. Yeah, I agree. And and Joyce says it's okay if she goes with you. So you, that I think that does confirm what you just said. And Giles says actually though she can't come because she's not allowed in, in on school property. And he says he's sorry and Buffy looks really sad and he's like I'll call you as soon as I know something and as he leaves Joyce says see you tonight. So in the library, the Scoobies are all observing the cat in the cage and Oz and I love that Oz is a series regular now because we get way more of him. And Oz says, it looks dead, it smells dead, yet it's moving around. That's interesting. (laughs) And Cordelia says, nice pet, Giles. (laughs) And Giles is like, I'm trying to find out why and how it rose from the grave. It's not like I'm going to take it home and offer it a saucer of warm milk. (laughs) And Oz says they should call it Patches. And Willow um, pipes in and says, we have Buffy's welcome home dinner tonight. And I said we would help. Cordelia confirms again that she's Chips and Dip Girl. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Cordelia. (laughs) That's her thing. You gotta have your thing and stick to it. Exactly. She's like, that's what I bring. I'm the dip. And of course, they all take this moment to like, the fact that Cordelia calls herself the dip. The dip is a really old school term of someone, of calling somebody stupid. Oh. That's what I thought. That went over my head. I'm the dip in this situation. (laughs) Kara, you're the dip. So Xander, but Xander says you have to admire the purity of it, as in like, that's why they stopped and were like, she doesn't even notice that she called herself stupid. So Oz is trying to figure out what kind of party it is. Is it a gathering, a shindig or a hootenanny, which is a very famous line from him. And actually, I use that even to this day, a hootenanny, I like to say a lot. And basically, if anyone's curious, a gathering is brie, mellow song styling. So very chill gathering of a few people, which is what it's supposed to be. Tonight's supposed to be a gathering. Uh, The shindig is more of a party with less mellow songs and malt beverages and the dip, of course. And a hootenanny is chock full of hoot and a little bit of nanny. So a hootenanny is just a wild party. Anyway, this is when Xander, again, becomes, becomes, solidifies the fact that he's the worst and says, what are we talking about at this gathering anyway? Hell, Buffy, did you meet any nice pimps on your travels? And oh, by the by, thanks for ruining our lives for the past three months. So can we talk about the pimp comment for a moment? Because yes, here's how I read it. And I don't know if you read it differently, but I read that dig is like Xander's low key implying Buffy might have had to do sex work to get by. Presumably he's making a joke out of it. He doesn't seriously think that. But aside from the fact that obviously it, it belittles sex workers and sex work is real work, but it's just like fuck off xander like why are you joking about your best friend selling her body yeah i mean it's not like he hasn't done it before remember in go fish when xander would say that buffy was sleeping around with the swim team so you're right like I, i do agree i think that he is implying that she probably had to do that and that she's a whore because she's not a virgin anymore yeah because she didn't give it up to him Exactly. This motherfucker. So, yeah. And then, okay, we also have to talk about the end of that very, like, short sentence, terrible sentence, where he says, thanks for ruining our lives. Well, are their lives actually ruined? Like, it sounds like he and Cordelia are doing fine. He's spending plenty of time with Willow, you know, hanging out. Like, sounds like their lives are going fine. Yeah, and I know we'll get more into this dynamic and their summer later, but like, fuck off, Xander, okay? She didn't ruin shit. Your life is fine. So 
Willow says Xander and tries to shut him up. And he just says, she doesn't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. Why don't we just shut up and dance? And that's when Willow suggests that maybe they should loosen up. Oz should bring his band to the party. And Giles is the voice of reason here and says, I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe something more intimate because Buffy just got home. She's feeling disoriented. And Willow, of course, is like, well, that's a good reason to have a big party. Welcome home, Buffy. And they all outvote Giles, who says he's just glad to have Buffy home so things can get back to normal as he flips through a page where the mask is clearly like right there and he (laughs) misses it because he's talking about the party. (laughs) Giles. So... At her house, Buffy is setting up for this fancy, fancy dinner with the company plates. (laughs) And she's dressed really nicely for like a nice dinner. But she also looks super nervous because obviously having a nice, you know, intimate dinner with her friends is not actually something that they would normally be doing. But everything is a little bit different now. So she hears a knock at the door. She opens it. Of course, it's a wild pat. (laughs) And she lets her in. That's the worst part. Yeah, you don't invite Pat's in. (laughs) Yeah. And Pat is like, there you are. (laughs) Like, not thinking about any more flights of fancy, I hope. Like, shut up, Pat. (laughs) She's like, Joy said there's room for one more. I was like, let's forget facial night and let's party. I brought empanadas. I love this for Buffy. I love this for Buffy because she's just like, mom <laughs> like, <laughs> well she's like do you want to see my mom and pat nods and so buffy like it's so unexpected right she just yells right in pat's <laughs> face up the stairs for choice and i think this is very wise like this is what you need to do to deal with a pat is you pass her off onto somebody else as soon as possible yes <laughs> so good for you buffy you're a hero um joyce comes down she's like pat and they like you know hug and then they go and that's when mitch remember um his name's Devin, but remember him from season two yeah of course i remember he's wearing like this exact same shirt i'm <laughs> i'm actually really impressed that they got him it's really nice that they're continuing on and because yeah. Devin is the lead singer of oz's band they didn't have to do that we would have forgiven it if it was some random you know, in Dawes's band, but good for them for a continuation. And um, he's like, hey, Buffy, where do you want the band to set up? And a bunch of people follow him in. Turns out this gathering turned into a wild hootenanny with like a kegger, a teenage kegger. It, it's verging on a rager. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. There's like got to be at least like 50 to 70 people in that in this house. And Oz and his band are playing and Buffy's wandering around. Willow's watching Oz play like she calls up to her and Willow's like, hey, you like? And Buffy's like, oh yeah, it's great. But she was hoping it would just be us. And as she's saying this, she's like, I, I wanted to hang with you today. Willow pretends that she can't hear her. Like she's like, oh, it's loud. I can't hear you. Sorry. And it's fucking mean. And Buffy goes to walk away. But then good for Buffy. She's like, no, I'm going to address this. So she goes and she grabs Willow by the arm, says she wants to go talk. And Willow just like rolls her eyes and they like she follows her And they go to a quieter place and Buffy says, is everything okay? You seem to be avoiding me. You know, there's no more one-on-onesies. And Willow is looking super stern and she denies it and says, this isn't avoiding. Like, here you are. Here I am. And Buffy's like, okay, well, are, are we cool? And Willow says, way, like with the party, we're all so glad you're back. And Buffy's just like, okay because clearly something's wrong with Willow. She's not really ready to talk about it. And Buffy tried to address it with her. And that's when we cut to the mask in uh, Joyce's bedroom, which is glowing red. Outside on the street, that's where we see a police 
I don't know, there's a dead body on the road, looks like a car crash or something, and the police are tending to it, and that's when the dead guy opens his eyes and gets up. (laughs) Now, this scene made me so uncomfortable. Cordelia and Xander are making out near the stairs, and I hate it. (laughs) It's so gross. And Xander asks Buffy as she's walking by, hey, fun party, huh? Guess a lot of people are glad you back are glad that you're back. And Cordelia is like kissing his neck while he's talking to Buffy. It's so uncomfortable. And the first thing that's uncomfortable about it is that Xander is getting action from Cordelia. I don't want to see it. I don't think he deserves it. Number two, okay. the, the gross thing for me is that I actually really dislike PDA. Sure, you can make out at a party, but like I wouldn't do it if my friends were there. It's like, that's so well, private. Like, and he's uh, doing it while he talks to Buffy. Oh, so he's it's so not rude. as invested in it. Like Cordelia, until she chimes in later in the conversation, we don't see her face. We're just seeing her the back of her head. And it's very objectifying. It's like she's just pleasuring him while he chats with Buffy. Yeah. And that's weird. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable and rude. Because Buffy's asking, where's Giles? And Xander's like, well, he's in library mode, uh, but he will he wants to celebrate your homecoming. We all do. It, it's great to have Buffy back, isn't it? And that's when Cordy, Cordelia does turn around and she's like, yeah, totally. But then she says that Xander tur- was turning her on with his bad boy Slayer look. And then they keep kissing and it's just like, ugh, ugh, I'm going to puke. Buffy's also going to puke and she leaves. So... Again, the mask is still glowing upstairs, and we see a very badly burnt patient in the ER just die. But then it opens his eyes, and he gets up, and he attacks the nurses, I think. We we hear grunting and screaming. I didn't watch that part because I can't do, like, flayed, burned skin. Like, no skinless people, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was looking pretty, pretty rough. So Buffy is overhearing these dudes <laughs> talking about the party and that it's for some chick who just got out of rehab. <laughs> and that's when Buffy's like, oh, fuck this. And she goes over to the kitchen where Joyce and Pat are getting wasted together. Good for them. Um, Pat is asking Joyce how she's holding up and Joyce is getting drunk off schnapps. And she's like, honestly, when Buffy was gone, all I could think about was getting her home. If I could just put my arms around her, everything would be okay. But having Buffy home, I thought it was going to make it all better. But in some ways, it's almost worse. And she's venting, right? She's just talking to her friend. Absolutely. Yeah, she's just unloading on her friend, Pat, who is annoying, but clearly has been there for her this whole time. Buffy overhears this, and then she goes up to her room. And she looks around at first, but then she just pulls out a bag, and she starts to pack. And the mask is still glowing in Joyce's room, and we see more and more zombies walking through the park toward the house. In the library, the cat is mewing, because it wants to go toward the house too. And Giles is researching, and he goes, oh lord, <laughs> because he's finally found the page that he missed earlier with the mask on it. Sorry, were they in the library? I thought they were at Giles' house. Oh, were they? Sorry, I can't remember. Yeah, they're probably at Giles' house. So he gets on the phone and he calls Buffy and this random dude from earlier answers it. And it's so frustrating because he's like, he can't hear Giles over the phone. And he's like, bunny, buddy. He's like, you got the wrong house, Mr. Belvedere and hangs up. Speaking of anxiety, when we see that shot of the table in Buffy's house with the phone on it covered in loose chips and stuff, (laughs) I almost lost it. Like (laughs) even before the zombies show up and completely wreck Joyce's house, This is why I don't do parties. (laughs) I can't do this. It's too messy. (laughs) 
I also think it's funny that Joyce and Pat are like getting equally wasted as the students and the kids in the the house. I was like, Joyce, like I know Stoner Joyce, like you probably also handed out a bunch of joints to all the kids and she's letting them get drunk under her supervision. <laughs> Coolest parent ever letting your kids have a high school rager while you're there. She's a cool mom. She's cool like that. Um, I don't think I would be that cool as a mom, to be honest. <laughs> Hell no. I'd be like, you want to what with what? <laughs> so anyway, Buffy is upstairs packing and Willow comes in and Willow's like, you're leaving again. You stopped by to get your lint brush and now you're ready to go. And Buffy is like, it's not like anyone would mind. And Willow says, okay, have a great time. Don't forget to not write. And Buffy's like, why are you attacking me? I'm trying. And Willow says, it looks a lot more like giving up. And Buffy says, you guys are fine without me. And Willow says, we were doing the best we could. It's not like we had a lot of choice in the matter. And Buffy says, you don't know what I was going through. And you wouldn't understand. And Willow says, well, maybe I don't need to understand. Maybe I just need you to talk to me. And that annoyed me so much when she said that. Because I was like, Buffy's been trying to talk to you, Willow. And you ditched her at your coffee date or whatever that was. And then she tried to talk to you at this party and you blew her off. So how can she possibly talk to you? Again, that's what Buffy says. She's like, could you talk, how could I talk to you when you were avoiding me? And Willow says, this isn't easy, Buffy. I know you're going through some stuff, but so am I. I mean, my life. Like Willow says she's having all sorts of feelings. She's having serious dating with a werewolf and she's studying witchcraft and she's killing vampires. And she didn't have anyone to talk about all the scary life stuff and Buffy was supposed to be her best friend. And Buffy is like looking, is in tears at this point. And I have a lot of thoughts about this conversation with Willow because like I told you earlier, I am trying to give Willow space for being a teenager. The, the most I can give her in this scene is that she's being honest and productive finally. And I think it's not easy to tell, be vulnerable and tell somebody why you're upset with them. It's not easy to do that. So I think it's fine that she's, that she's being honest. I think that's okay. But I didn't like what she was saying. I think she's being really selfish here. And she's not showing Buffy any empathy. And when she's like, oh, all this stuff is me, 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 me. Like, my, I, I'm dating a werewolf. I'm doing witchcraft. And you're not here to, to hear her. I, got, I had no one to talk to about it. Why don't you have anyone to talk to about it, Willow? What about Xander and Oz and Giles and Cordelia? Like, these people are doing the exact same thing you're doing. And Giles would be the perfect person to talk to about your witchcraft. Yeah, but Giles is... An, like, older man. Um, she's missing her best friend, her Buffy. I I am far more sympathetic towards Willow than you are in this scene. And uh, I just, I don't know, maybe I can identify with this because I think that part of growing up and having healthy friendships is realizing that you you can't say, oh, well, just because my friend is going through a harder time than me, it's going to be all about them and not about me, right? There has to be that give and take. And Buffy disappeared. And it's true that Buffy has gone through a lot and still has a lot to deal with. But I think Willow is making a very valuable point here, which is that just because Buffy left for whatever her reasons were, Willow's life kept going. And Buffy's departure had a significant impact on Willow's life. And Buffy isn't thinking about that. She's only thinking about how difficult it is for her to reintegrate herself into this group 
but when it talks about like, oh, Willow, you've been avoiding me. We're not talking one-on-one and stuff. Yeah, but it's also like Buffy, you haven't really made that effort either, right? Like you showed back up. You didn't want to talk at first. And I get, I get that. That was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then you, you missed the connection with Willow. But it's like you could have made more of an effort. And you could also maybe instead of being like, hey, Willow, like, why can't we talk one on one? You could try things Willow's way, right? Because maybe Willow needs time. So I see what you're saying, Steph, because yes, obviously Buffy is going through things. But I like that Willow asserts herself here because she is so often the mousy character in this series who isn't very assertive. If we think back to like the very first episode where she's being casually bullied by Cordy and taking it because she thinks that's her place in life. This is her growth as a character is now she's standing up to her best friend and saying, no, I know you're hurting, but I'm hurting too, which I think, like you said, it's that honesty. And I Mm -hmm. really respect that and admire that because if you're going to have healthy friendships, you need to be able to claim space for yourself in these difficult conversations. You can do it without erasing what other people are going through, but we also can't make comparisons, right? We can't say, oh, Buffy's uh, life is worse because she had to kill her boyfriend. Willow's just struggling with learning magic and dating a werewolf. It's like you can't compare those and say one is worse than the other. I don't know. I feel like you can. (laughs) I feel like because, like like I said, this is productive. I'm glad that Willow is speaking her truth. Um, But at the end of the day, when she's saying, I'm dating a werewolf and I'm doing witchcraft and all this stuff, and she's saying that she's alone in that, but you're not. So I do think it is different because Willow actually had a support system around her all summer. She just preferred Buffy. She didn't have anyone like Buffy. Yeah, she preferred Buffy and that's fine. But Buffy had no one. Buffy had no one. Well, that one. was Buffy's choice. Of course it was Buffy's choice, but it was also Willow's choice to take on all this stuff and to fight vampires. She didn't have to do <clears throat> but, that. But I also don't think it's healthy for us to say that Buffy has it worse because she's all. if, if we do that, she's always going to have it worse. Like, the Slayer's always going to have bigger problems than other people on the show. And and so we, we're setting it up for failure where it's like, well, Buffy will always be alone. She's never going to have anybody to talk to. And... I, I don't think that's a healthy thing to do in a relationship. I think you have to admit that whatever you're going through can be very devastating, but other people can also feel devastated by things. And yeah. you can't equate those things and rank them. Yeah, and and that's fair. I just honestly feel like Buffy was going through a lot of stuff this summer. And when she came back, she absolutely could have been more open to what Willow went through in the summer. But she was overwhelmed. She's disoriented, just like Giles said. And she tried to give Willow space, probably didn't try as long because it's only been two days. Um, Mm -hmm. But she did try to give Willow that space and Willow wasn't ready to give it yet. So Willow cannot say that Buffy's being a neglectful friend right now when she also yeah. has to go that extra mile to to sit with her and have a conversation because they haven't had that yet. The party was a bad idea. Yes. And yeah, <laughs> if they had just given each other a little bit more space for a few more days, yeah. I think a confrontation was still unavoidable, mm-hmm. but it would have been a little bit different. And it wouldn't have been as hurtful as Willow ditching her on their date together and then uh, pretending 
to not hear her at a party. Like there's a lot of hurtful things that are being thrown at Buffy here. There's no empathy for her. And that's my, my issue with Willow. But I also agree, like, again, Willow's 17 and um, good for her for approaching Buffy, but also she's unloading on Buffy and I'm always on Buffy's side. Like Buffy does not deserve to be unloaded on. But this is when we cut to um, Giles, who, like we said earlier, is mocking Joyce. He's like, oh, do you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, And I'm just going to cover all of Giles' stuff right now. So when Giles um, is driving, he hits a man with his car and he's obviously like, oh, my God. (laughs) And he gets out and he's like, are you all right? Thank God. It's a zombie. It's not a human being. It's a, it's a zombie. Well, the zombie's like all decomposed. So you know he was already dead. It's not like Giles killed him, but then he just came back to life. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Can you imagine? Oh, maybe you imagine that happened. <laughs> Worst. So um, yeah, it attacks Giles. And then a more approach in the alleyway. And Giles is fighting off these zombies. He manages to get back into his car, but realizes that he dropped his keys outside on the ground. And... Giles, in like in all the hotness of the world, he hot wires the car. He drives off as the zombie just is breaking the window, and he I will says, "Never understand you, Stephanie." He says, "Like riding a bloody bicycle." <laughs> oh man, he Giles is so hot. Is tired of everyone's shit. Yes. <laughs> so, so as he's driving, we cut back to this scene, and we're in Buffy's room. And Buffy says that um, she missed everybody and wanted to call every day. And Willow says, that doesn't make it okay that you didn't, which I think is fair. And that's when Joyce comes in and she sees the bag on Buffy's bed and she fucking loses her shit. She's like, is this some sort of joke? Are you joking? And Willow says, she's running away again. And so, so Buffy says, I'm not sure what I was doing. And Joyce is like, explain yourself, because if you think you can just take off whenever you want. And Buffy is like, stop it, please. Like, it's super overwhelming. These two people that she loves so much yelling at her. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And Buffy takes off. And I think Buffy went to go seek refuge in the party because it's loud and Willow already pretended she couldn't hear her down there. So she's like, maybe if we're in public, I don't have to get unleashed. Like, they don't, they won't unleash on me. She's wrong, by the way. So... Mm-hmm. um. As she goes downstairs, Buffy can't get out the door because there's kids in front of it. And she walks into the, into the living room and Joyce is screaming at her. And she's like, don't you leave this house, young lady. You and I are going to have a talk. And Buffy's like, mom, please, because everybody is watching and listening and the music's gone. Ooh, this is brutal. This is it. This is oh, the scene. So, so Joyce says... She doesn't care what Buffy's friends think of her or she doesn't care what Buffy thinks of her. She put her through the ringer and bu- and she's also drunk. She's like, I've had schnapps. So she says, do you have an idea what it's been like? You can't imagine months not knowing where you are, if you're dead in a ditch somewhere or living it up. And Buffy says, you're the one who told me that I should go. And if I leave the house, don't come back. So you found out who I really was and you couldn't deal don't you remember? And Joyce, I think, has a really good point here. And she says, oh, yeah. you didn't give me time. You dumped this thing on me and you expected me to just get it. And guess what? Mom's not perfect. I handled it badly. That doesn't give you the right to punish me by running away. So 
I love this for Joyce. I really do. I don't, I don't agree. I'm just going to say it here. I don't agree that Joyce should be yelling at Buffy at all, period. No. I also don't think Joyce should be yelling at Buffy in public, period. No. Stop. So that is Joyce's fault. Just because you're drunk, Joyce, it doesn't give you the excuse to emotionally abuse Buffy in this very public format, okay? I get emotions run high, but really, we shouldn't be yelling at people ever. (laughs) You should be able to control that. So Joyce has a really good point where she says, I'm not perfect. I screwed up. Guess what? Your mom's not perfect. I love that. It's so true. It's like, she's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And she admits that like, you didn't give me enough time, which is what Kara, this is what you and I were saying, right? Joyce deserved a conversation. So that's why in this whole episode of all, like this scene particularly, I do have a lot more space for Joyce in what she's saying to Buffy because I get where she's coming from. Yeah, Buffy and Joyce are both in the right mm-hmm. and in the wrong in again. this conversation. <laughs> again. <laughs> um, and I, again, like I think Willow has, you know, I think Willow has some points here. Uh, I think you and I will both agree that Xander 100% in the wrong in this conversation. Shut up, Xander. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Well, that's the thing. The one thing that's wrong is Joyce thinks, again, like all these people think it's about them. Joyce is like, you punished me for running away. But Buffy says she didn't do that to punish her. Right. It wasn't about you. It was about Buffy. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. And that's what we're that's what (laughs) this is what we're saying. Xander decides to pipe in because this is Xander's space to pipe in. Right. (sighs) So Xander comes in and says, well, you did (laughs) like a fucking obnoxious asshole. And he's like, you should have seen what you put her through. And Buffy freaks out rightfully at this point because she's like, great, anyone else want to weigh in here? How about you by the dip? (laughs) And it's Jonathan. Everyone, little guy Jonathan is eating dip. (laughs) Poor Jonathan. He just showed, he probably never gets invited to these parties. He just showed up and he's like, oh, some dip. You know, because Courtney brought the dip. It's probably really good dip. Delicious. He's just minded his business. Don't bring Jonathan into this. <laughs> Leave Jonathan out of this, all right? And Jonathan's just like, uh, no thanks. I'm good. <laughs> so anyway, that was our brief little moment of comic relief. And then Xander says, maybe you don't want to hear it, Buffy, but taking off like you did was incredibly selfish and stupid. He's so self-righteous. Like, you can tell he's getting off from getting to lecture Buffy like this. Like, this is an ego trip for him. And that's what bothers me when people do this. Like, there is a time and a place to call somebody out and say, hey, you're being selfish. You don't do it in front of everybody else. And you don't do it because it's going to make you feel morally superior, which is what Xander is doing. He doesn't actually care about Buffy in this moment. He's not talking to her because he's caring for her as his friend. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm Xander, and I know better than you. (laughs) And he's saying what you did was selfish and stupid. Not one of you has sat and asked Buffy, why did you run away? What happened to you emotionally to make you feel like you had no one? No one's asking her the important questions, and maybe she's not ready to talk about it. So even more reason, Xander, for you to have empathy for your friend who's clearly going through stuff. And I need, we need to look at the evidence here. And I, again, I didn't bring this up in the last episode because it didn't need to come up. But here it is, Xander. In Becoming Part 2, you lied to Buffy. And you knew that Willow had made the decision to resole Angel. So you also knew that it was very likely that Buffy might have to kill 
her boyfriend, not the evil killer, not Angelus, but her boyfriend. So fuck oh, you. Vendor. Secret villain of season two. Se- secret villain, like clear villain of this whole series. Fuck off, Xander. So don't you call Buffy's actions selfish and stupid when you have been doing nothing but selfish and stupid things <laughs> since day one. <laughs> fuck off. Okay. All right. So Buffy says, I screwed up. I know this, but you have no idea what happened to me or what I was feeling. And Xander says, did you try talking to anybody? And Buffy says there was nothing anyone could do. She needed to figure it out on her own. And Xander says, well, look how that wo- how well that worked out, you fucking asshole. <laughs> he says, you can't bury stuff, Buffy. It'll come right back up to get you. Buffy says, could I go to you, Xander? Because you made your feelings about Angel and I very clear. Well done, Buffy. Well done. And Xander says, I'm sorry that your honey was a demon, Ugh. but most girls don't hop a greyhound over boy troubles wow wow i couldn't believe my ears when he said that this is like real housewives level shit (laughs) this is fun this is if i was jonathan or any of these other party guests i've been like oh shit the tea is being poured right like we got i want to flip to one of those like confessionals afterwards right where they're like so i was watching this go down (laughs) but also i just want to point out the dialogue is very clever here because they're doing a great job of alluding to what went on without actually giving away the supernatural aspects because, of course, they're in a room full of people. So, like, even the the demon comment, right, could be metaphorical, right? People are like, oh, he was a bad dude. Yeah. So at no point does anybody in this conversation actually talk about souls and vampires and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very smart. Um, okay, Xander. The very idea that you're belittling Buffy's trauma and calling it boy troubles is outrageous because you were there. You were there to watch Buffy take on her ex-boyfriend. Not only were you there on the day that she killed him, but you were there the entire time that they developed their relationship and you saw what happened after he lost his soul and how that affected Buffy. So to suggest that the only reason she moved away was because they went through a breakup is like i have no words for how fucked up that is so buffy isn't like most girls xander buffy didn't have like she couldn't have just solved this by writing in her diary she felt she had no one she killed her boyfriend so she ran away and we can understand that yeah you don't understand what why she did it yet but you should understand what was leading up to that choice also when buffy says you made your feelings about Angel and I very clear, as in, like, you've been an asshole about this this whole time. You're proving her point, Xander, by saying, I'm sorry that your honey was a demon. You know, like, you're proving her point in your fucking argument, you idiot. So Cordelia comes to Buffy's defense, actually, and she does it in a very Cordelia way, which is unfortunate. (laughs) It's unfortunate. (laughs) But she says, I'm going to put myself in Buffy's shoes, okay? I'm Buffy, freak of nature. (laughs) Naturally, I pick a freak for a boyfriend. Then he turns into Mr. Killing Spree, which is pretty much my fault. And then that's when Buffy shuts Cordy down and says, get out of my shoes, Cordy. And this is why it's unfortunate, because Cordelia actually was trying to sympathize with Buffy. She's doing something here that the other other people aren't really doing. And she's literally trying to be like, here's where Buffy's coming from, you guys. But because it's Cordelia and she's got no tact... She just went about it in a way that's quite hurtful, right? And also bringing up again the fact that Buffy feels like it's her fault that 
Angel lost his soul. It's her fault that Jenny died. Mm-hmm. It's her fault that she killed her boyfriend at the end again at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean that's Cordelia for you, right? Is yeah. she is always going to tell it to you straight, but probably not the way you want to hear. Insensitively. <laughs> so unfortunately, she was an ally here, but it didn't come across that oh, way. Cordelia would be a good talk show host. Oh, I would watch that. I'll watch the shit out of that show. Um, Okay, so that's when Cordy does say, like, I'm just trying to help. And Willow starts to pipe up again. And Buffy is in tears. And she's like, I can't take this from you two. And it's so true. And again, we have to address that this is all happening very publicly. And it's hard to watch because these are all these people that are piling on Buffy. One after another Mm -hmm. after another. And you notice Everybody is getting a chance to talk and say what hurt them. How Buffy's a shitty person for leaving and what she did to them. Again, Buffy has not been able to share why she left. Buffy can't share her trauma yet. And they're all sharing their trauma. And it's just like, you left us and we had to fight vampires. No. And it's like, hey, but like, (laughs) you guys are missing the point. You chose. You chose to do those things. Buffy can't choose. Buffy is the chosen one. And she can't just decide to like give up and stop slaying. You guys can. Mm -hmm. So give her space. Give her fucking space. And Xander says, um, let Willow finish, Buffy. Like, you owe her that. And Buffy says, can you stick to annoying me on your own behalf? And Xander says, stop acting like an idiot and I'll stop annoying you. And Buffy gets up in his face and I was like, yes, she's going to punch him. She's going to fucking punch this guy. And she says, you want to talk about acting like an idiot, Nighthawk? (laughs) And that's when Oz, who's been very quiet in this conversation, um, he finally steps up and he says, I'm going to referee. I'm going to referee this. Like, we're not going to start fighting. Which... I, I appreciate what Oz is doing, and this this is a very Oz thing to do, but I also feel like that's not an appropriate thing to do. Mm. Because there's a little bit of ego here as well, where Oz is like, oh, okay, I got this. I'm going to defuse the situation. I don't think you can. I think it's too far gone, Oz. I think the best thing you can do is not get yourself involved. Mm, I like that, actually. Yeah, not stepping in because it's also like Oz and Buffy are not close. I'm sure Oz was worried about Buffy along with Willow, but he probably, you know, he's not as close to her and he wasn't worried the way the others were. So you're right. Stick to your lane, Oz. Willow starts saying, no, let them go, Oz. Talking about it isn't helping. Might as well try some violence. And that's when the zombies crash through the living room window and start breaking into the house. And one of them runs in and snaps the guy's neck, the guy that answered the phone earlier. And I was like, no, I'm already feeling all these anxious feelings. See, (laughs) I think he had it coming, so. (laughs) Oh, so anyway, so chaos erupts. This part's actually really kind of hard to follow. I'll do my best. Um, Willow's like, I was being sarcastic. But then they all jump into Scooby mode, right? Buffy throws mm-hmm. a weapon to Xander and says, Xander, get to the kitchen. And Xander's like, I got your back. And then they all kind of like disperse and start fighting these zombies, which are surprisingly very strong. And Joyce well, is helping. Just the property damage alone is <laughs> what follows in the rest of this episode. Oh. The house was already messy because of the party. Yep. The house is trash. Like the number of windows that get smashed, All the front of them. door gets smashed in. My anxiety just kept going up and up. And then I'm like, who's paying for all of this? <laughs> Well, Joyce is probably going to hustle those stolen artifacts in her house. Oh, I forgot. 
Joyce has Hobby Lobby connections. She's going to be fine. Okay, you're right. You're right. And, um, it, well, Joyce is here helping, which is great. She's, like, trying to help out Buffy fight these zombies. And she asks her, are these vampires? And Buffy's like, no, because she tries to stake one. And obviously it's dead already, so it doesn't work out. Right. So I do like this dynamic, right? Like, Joyce is a hands-on slayer mom. She's yeah. like, well, Buffy's fighting this zombie. I'm going to grab a vase and I'm going to smash it on the zombie's head. I'm going to clarify the tactical situation with my slayer daughter. Like, go, Joyce. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. And also another awesome thing. Pat gets grabbed by a zombie and pulled away. <laughs> by pat um so buffy is telling everybody that they need to get the zombies outside and they need to barricade the door and this part is, is also kind of messy so like a zombie breaks through the door with his arms and grabs oz and then willow buffy xander and joyce run upstairs and leave oz at the door with the zombie and i was like this is wild and they see that pat is lying on the floor upstairs so they grab her and drag her into joyce's room and barricade themselves in Cordy is the one who finds Oz at the door fighting these zombies and helps him. And the two of them escape to, I think it's the basement or it's a closet or something. It's a closet on the first floor, yeah. Okay, perfect. So um, the others are upstairs in Joyce's room and they realize that Pat is dead. But, but, but we also see that the mask that was on the wall has fallen down and it's still glowing red. Good job nailing it to the wall, Joyce. You had one job. <laughs> Joyce, if you're going to steal artwork, at least secure it to your house. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, it could have broken, right? Like... Yeah, jeez. I mean, oh, I don't know. Joyce. So, Pat's eyes open up. Cut to the closet. It's quiet now. Everything, all the hustle and bustle is happening upstairs. And Oz and Cordelia are coming out of the closet. And then, <laughs> and then they run into Giles. Cordelia's like, um, how do I know it's you and not zombie Giles? <laughs> Cordelia's so good. And um, He says... Cordelia, do stop being tiresome, like the most <laughs> British way of phrasing it. And yeah. Cordelia's like, okay, that's legit. Yeah. She gets him. Gets him. Um, so Oz says the dead man's party is upstairs, and that's when Giles explains, oh, they're after the mask. The mask holds the power of the zombie demon called Ovu Mobani, which means evil eye. So he's like, if any of these zombies put the mask on, they become the demon incarnate, which is worse than a zombie. So... Buffy is fighting the zombie in the bedroom just as Pat gets up and puts the mask on. <laughs> and the zombie um, that Buffy's fighting like feels the presence of Ovu Mobani and uh, bows to it. Buffy goes to fight Pat and Pat says, I live, you die. And when Buffy runs at her, it's like a big flash of light and Buffy freezes just enough time for Pat to like hit her and knock her into the wall and so buffy shouts at willow and says don't look at her but it's too late willow also gets frozen and it looks like pat's about to snap willow's neck when buffy charges her and knocks her and the two of them fall out the upstairs window breaking that one and onto the ground in the lawn in the front and uh, buffy has already realized that she's she can't look at pat she can't look at her or she'll get frozen so joyce's also like wailing on the zombie in the bedroom with a baseball bat, which is hilarious. And Giles, Oz, and Cordelia are fighting another zombie. And Giles is telling Oz to go and tell Buffy to go for the eyes. So as Oz runs outside to tell Buffy, Buffy's already figured this out. And she takes a shovel and shoves it into Pat's eyes, which then makes Pat glow white, and she disappears along with all of the other zombies, which is really nice. That Very it's not convenient. Just, yeah, it's just not dead bodies everywhere. What happened to the student who fucking died? 
Did he turn into a well, zombie right away? He presumably would have become a zombie. So yes, he's probably gone. Oh, jeez, 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 jeez. All these and people just vanished. So chaotic. And Oz is just like, never mind. <laughs> so inside, Joyce and Buffy are hugging. And like you said, the, the house is a fucking wreck. It is, it is Why done. Why move at this point? Yeah, and Joyce was literally like, you can't even call. There's nothing Joyce can do because at well, the end of the day, it just looks like a raging party. And Joyce well, allowed but, and this. And that's the thing, right? Is it's like, where are the neighbors? Did <laughs> nobody call the cops? Like, this is a white suburban neighborhood. So first there's this party going on. Okay, cool. But when the zombies start converging on the house, do you not think some Karen somewhere called the cops? It was like, oh, you know, there's all of these shifty looking people in the neighborhood right yeah. now. And they're very... Uh, bedraggled and <laughs> like all like bursting like banging down the front door and bursting all of those windows like where are the police where is nobody else seemed to notice there was a zombie apocalypse happening oh yeah absolutely and like i don't yeah maybe they're just like really cool neighbors i don't know <laughs> so yeah like jo- joyce and buffy are hugging and joyce asks if this is a typical day in the office and buffy says no this wasn't this was nothing you know and the scoobies all gather around it looks like all is fucking forgiven which it definitely shouldn't be and xander says nice moves and buffy and willow hug and giles just watches from a distance happily he's just like ah everyone is at peace with each other i mean mm. i think he's learned his lesson don't hug the students right oh absolutely so we cut to giles um he sees this reunion between the scoobies and like everything's gonna be okay so he takes it upon himself to go to snyder's office the next day and have words and snyder says if those words are buffy my words are good riddance and now he's like now i have a meeting with the mayor so giles again demonstrates that he is the hottest man in that area of california (laughs) And and he says um, you have no grounds for keeping her out of school. She's a minor and is entitled to a public education. Your personal dislike of the girl does not entitle you to dot, dot, dot. Snyder says, why don't you take it up with the city council? And Giles threatens him and says, like, I'll start with the, the state Supreme Court and says he's got a lot of pull. But he says, I can make life very difficult for you, professionally speaking. And Buffy will be allowed back in. And Snyder says that he's not convinced and goes to leave. And that's when Giles takes his sexy hand, grabs Snyder, <laughs> and stops him from leaving and says... Well, he slabs him against the filing cabinet. Oh, it's like assault. What I would give to be Snyder in this scene. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and uh, Giles says, he says, would you like me to convince you? <laughs> Is, is this is this the question of the episode? Is would you like to be beaten up by Zaddy Giles? Like, <laughs> um, baby yeah, likes so, to play. <laughs> the thing about Anthony Stewart Hat, you know, if anybody has ever seen him in other shows, movies, I mean, he's also done stage acting. And he's just so brilliant. He has this ability. You know, he can be affable, which is what we've seen him for for most of this series. He's been kind of a bumbling, well-meaning guy. But when he has to, he can switch it on in such a way that you see this like hard edge to him. Just the tone of his voice really takes on this almost creepy quality, Mm. right? I'm like listening to him and I'm like, oh, this guy would skin me if he needed to. (laughs) I saw that especially when I, he's, he was a, the guest star, the villain in an episode of Doctor Who 
several years ago. He played an evil school principal. Oh. Um, and he was just so creepy. But you see it in this scene. And I think what we're seeing here is Giles is so relieved to have Buffy back, as, as you talked about earlier, that he has decided the ripper gloves are coming off. You know, he's worked so hard over the past decade or so to leave that youthful past of indiscretions behind and become this mature personality to prepare himself to be a watcher. And now he's Buffy's watcher. And for the first couple of seasons, right, it was, I have to be her father figure. I have to keep her safe. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. So he's realizing now that if he's really going to protect Buffy and help her out in her journey as a slayer, he's going to get his hands even more dirty. And I think he's starting to understand that he's got to tap into those darker components of his psyche a little bit more. Mm. Giles is scary when he decides to be on your bad side. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for this turn in him. You're right. Like it's like a, like it's like a like a new path for him to take, right? Like, and also like I'm sure getting tortured and like all the events of last year and dealing with Jenny's death and everything. Like he's not the same. He's not the same. So watching yep. this little brief exchange between him him and Snyder was deeply satisfying to watch and exciting. It's like, where is he going to go with this, right? So the last scene of the episode is Willow and Buffy um, in their new cool local cafe situation. And they're, they're talking about Willow's experiences this summer. And this is also another reason why I, I have space for Willow because they get the scene they get this ending scene right where they are patching things up and Buffy is taking the time to listen and hear what Willow has to say and and what she's going through and Buffy's being a good friend to her here right so they're getting back on track and Buffy asks her like oh with all like the witch stuff does it scare you and Willow says she tries she tried to communicate with the spirit world but she wasn't ready for that it's like being pulled apart inside And she blew out all the power in her whole block. So Willow's (laughs) experimenting with magic here. And it's scary stuff. And a lot of it she can't handle yet. But she's still really invigorated by that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it's going to be fine. Nothing to worry about. Nothing. It's fine. And Buffy says she wishes she could have been there with her. And I'm like, that's such a fucking sweet thing to say, Buffy. You're fucking an angel, angel child. Thank you, Willow. Thank you. Because she says, I understand you needing to bail and I can forgive that. I have to make allowances for what you're going through and be very grown up about it. So here we go. So this is... Again, like I get that they're teenagers, right? And they they don't know how to approach these conversations. But now they're feeling so much better that they've had it. So I'm hoping that they've learned (laughs) about communication and how to work things out. And Buffy says, oh, you're enjoying this whole moral superiority thing, aren't you? And Willow says it's like a drug. And Buffy says that, okay, I get it. I've been bad. I can take my lumps for a while. And Willow calls her a runaway and a quitter. And then Buffy's like, whiner. Baylor. Harpy. Delinquent. Tramp. Bad seed. Witch. Freak. (laughs) So it's a really nice, lighthearted ending to an (laughs) otherwise anxiety-inducing episode. Um, again, okay, so there's, I mean, I like that you and I had different ways of, like, going about most, a lot of that conversation. Obviously, we're on the same page Mm -hmm. with Xander. Xander, 
is I can't okay and do we notice here do you notice Willow and Buffy are working it out Willow and Buffy right? like Buffy heard what Willow had to say and is giving her space to air what she needed to talk about and yeah. Buffy's not ready to talk and Willow's saying she understands that okay that is a friendship guys give and take two equal sides here where the fuck is Xander where is Xander to say, I understand Buffy. I fucked you over last summer by lying to you. Where are you, Xander? And while we're at it, I also watched you change without your permission. My bad. And I also sexually assaulted you when I was a hyena. There's so many things that Xander needs to fucking right. say. Yeah. Where is he? Why does he get off? Why? Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough episode and this is like i've said this before the openings for the seasons are always rough for me because it always feels like there's a, a gulf between buffy and the scoobies and mm. they gotta get back into the groove and i hate it mm-hmm. <sighs> so i'm excited for us to move past this and get into the shenanigans for this season because there's so much good stuff happening oh so good um, so good so who is your hero Ooh, um and I will say, uh, uh, last week, we put out on social media asking our listeners if they want us to ask a different question at the end of every episode for season three. And majority ruled, no, they like when we ask who's your hero. But we can, a lot of people suggested what we also could ask, and I've noted them, and we can bring them up throughout the season, perhaps, once in a while. Cool. But my hero for this episode is Giles. Giles, thanks for not being a fucking dick and taking out all your anger on Buffy. Thanks for stepping up as her father figure and getting her back into school and for doing all the research about the mask and for making fun (laughs) of Joyce behind her back. (laughs) There's a lot of great things about Giles. Giles really did carry this episode. Yeah. And I will also say that like Cordelia too, like these are the only two characters that didn't give her any shit Mm, um, for the most part. And as much as they were kind of silent on the subject and Giles is like, I'll let the kids work it out for themselves. Overall, Giles shines in this episode because of his very subtle choice to let it go. I'm with you. Giles is my hero, too. I also think Willow, like, this is where you and I are disagreeing. I think Willow is a hero for being honest with Buffy from the beginning. Well, not quite from the beginning, but... From the party. (laughs) I appreciate Willow standing up for herself, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I understand where you're coming from, better ways to do it. Everybody in this episode's making mistakes, but mm-hmm. I, I think for me, I'm coming at it from the perspective of having seen Willow's growth as a character over the past two years. It's like, I'm like, yes, Willow, like stand up for yourself. You deserve that too. So I, I'm saying Willow's a hero, more like she's my personal hero in the sense of like, sometimes you need to be more assertive, even when you know it might be a little bit hurtful for people to hear. Yeah. And that, that is a good message. And again, At the end of the episode, when Willow and Buffy have their moment of understanding each other, that was really important to see. That, like, even if you go about dealing with conflict in the wrong way or in a non-productive way by yelling and attacking, you can always come back to the big point at the end, which is that you love each other and you want to make it work. So we have one hot stake for today, and it is from Courtney. Courtney wrote in specifically about Dead Man's Party and said, this one makes me viscerally angry. (laughs) Same girl. Same. This scene, um, and she's talking about the party scene, 
seems mm-hmm. so out of character for everyone. Like the whole party, Willow jumps down her throat without letting Buffy explain, and everyone is basically kicking Buffy while she's down. It's like they only want to be her friend for the cool slayerette factor. God forbid she should real she should need real mental support after killing her restored boyfriend. Besides Joyce, no one should be giving Buffy platitudes. Ooh. Interesting, interesting. I like the I like the idea that like in this friendship, and I don't think it's true, but it's an interesting angle and way to think about the way that this conversation went, that they're like, I'm in the Scooby gang, it's cool, but when the work actually falls on me because the Slayer wasn't around, I don't like it, and it wasn't fair. Well, it, it, is this not just an indictment of the fact that historically both at the time that we that this episode was created and also even nowadays, we just are not doing a good job of teaching young people how to talk about mental health, mm. right? So like when Courtney said, you know, God forbid she should need real mental support, it's not surprising that the Scoobies are not really able to be there for Buffy in this way because they've probably never been taught either by their parents or in school what it's like to help people who are struggling with these kinds of serious traumas. So Mm. I I, I do feel for them because I think everybody's struggling here. And and I just want to say on a more general note, this is why as a society, it's so important for us to start talking to each other about our mental health and listening to each other and, and being compassionate and thoughtful and careful about how we talk about these things because that's how you avoid these kinds of situations. Yeah, really well said. And thanks, Courtney, for writing in with your hot steak. Uh, everybody, <laughs> this was this was an episode and people made choices in it. But I had a really great time <laughs> talking to you about it, Kara. <laughs> oh, this is such a good conversation. And I'm glad I don't have to come back to this episode for a long time. But I, I really like season three i think has some really good quality episodes to it so i cannot wait for the next one so we'll see everybody next week bye thanks for listening to prophecy girls if you want and can afford to donate head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.